2: What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. You know me as Richie V, Mr. Call Screener, El Conservador, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And I am here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And this is a special Saturday edition, Saturday, September 11th, 2021. This is the 20th Anniversary, the commemoration of the targeting of New York City and Washington and what went down in Shanksville, the attack on America, September 11th, 2001. Now, straight ahead, we're going to have America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani is going to be joining us. He lived through it. He ran the command in New York City, working with President Bush at the time. But I want to tell you a little bit about what that day looked like to me. Now, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know. This story because you've heard it, but I want to tell it again because I was on the radio yesterday, did a show in Washington, Seattle, Washington, and a big shout out to Todd Herman, the host of the show who was out and uh, prayers for him. He's having a minor procedure done and to everybody at KTTH AM 770 in Seattle, Washington and I was telling the story of September 11th and got sidetracked. The ADD got to me and I didn't finish it. So if you were listening to that show, here is the continuation. It was the morning of September 11th and I worked as a corporate sales executive for Verizon, a Fortune 10 company, huge company. I was in my early 20s and I had just had my first daughter. And for whatever crazy reason, you know, I was getting ready, straightening my tie in the mirror, ready to go to the bus stop to take the bus into New York City. Uh, I live across the Hudson River. At that time, I lived in North Bergen, New Jersey. Again, still about probably three miles away from the middle of Times Square by distance. And I got this feeling in my stomach that was like, you know what, you shouldn't go to work today. And it was really weird because, you know, i Wasn't in the habit of playing hooky, and I did sales. the The more I went to work, the more I sold, the more commission I got. It was great, but I was lollygagging. You know, I was just wasting time. And uh, my then wife, at the time, my ex wife, you know, she tells me, "Hey, you're going to be late to work," and I was like, "Yeah, I know. I just, I don't know. I just don't. You know, I didn't want to leave my baby. I, I was playing with her. I just, for whatever reason, I was ready to leave, and I didn't feel like leaving." And then she, you know, she's running in and out of the bathroom, brushing her teeth, getting ready and whatnot. And she's like, well, you better leave because you might need extra time because it looks like some small plane hit one of the Twin Towers. And I was like, some small plane hitting the Twin Towers? Now, listen, I remember when my grandfather came to visit from Puerto Rico, I wanted to take him to Liberty Helicopter down there on the west side because they do this tour at the time. And if you knew some of the pilots, and I had a friend that worked there, They would take you in between the Twin Towers and, like, turn the helicopter upside down. So I knew that people did these pirouettes in the air. And I thought to myself, hmm, maybe, just maybe, somebody was trying to be slick. Somebody thought that they could pull this off and, you know, in like a Cessna, like a biplane or something, and, and messed it up and, you know, hit the building. But then, you know, WPIX Channel 11 News was playing this. And I see, oh, my goodness it's a huge gaping hole in the side of the building. It's totally on fire. And I'm thinking, there's no way a little plane does all that damage. And in my head, I'm thinking, this is the southern Afghanis. Literally, that's what I thought. I said it as a joke. I didn't mean it. Uh, little did I know how that was actually going to actually be a thing. And, and it wasn't any uh, me being prescient. It was literally just, that was the part of the world that came to mind. And I'm watching it, and I'm watching it. And uh, I think I went to the other bathroom. I came back, and she says, oh, you know what? And now another plane hit it, and they're saying they're commercial jetliners. And I said, man, we're under attack. And she was like, stop getting like that. We're not under attack. It's just something happened. As we're watching, as we're watching, I'm like, I'm definitely not going to work because I'm glued to the screen. And as I'm watching the screen, and she's like, you know, you should really go to work. And I'm I'm calling the guy. I'm like, look, you know, I'm not feeling whatever. I, I didn't get through to anybody. I think I left a voice message. And ultimately... We're watching and I'm watching on TV as the reporters go buck wild going, oh my God, oh my God, the statue of, uh, I mean, the Twin Towers are crumbling down. The literally, the building is literally imploding. I mean, I can't even say these words because it was so surreal. And I said, wow, they're pulling a con job on the American public because from where I lived, I could open my bedroom window and see the Twin Towers. So I'm like, these people are crazy. So I opened the blinds, zip, and there's nothing but a black cloud. And I was shook. I couldn't believe that these two iconic Twin Tower buildings that I was at not too long before, because my grandfather came to visit from Puerto Rico, God rest his soul, and he uh, wanted to go there. So we went in front with my mom and we took pictures and stuff. And it was gone. Because apparently, as it was crumbling down on TV, the TV's on a delay. And I was like, wow, how does that even happen? I'd never seen such a thing other than a controlled demolition. Anyway, it was just surreal to me. Now I realize, wow, I'm looking out the window. There's blackness, just a cloud of smoke over Manhattan because I could see the skyline. And then I look at the TV. And after the second plane goes into the next one and all this whatever craziness, then the TV stops working. And the only thing that worked was Talk Radio seventy seven WABC because their antenna was high atop the Empire State Building, if I remember it correctly, and that or in Lodi, New Jersey, was their transmitter. So they were on the air, and you could hear radio. And Curtis Slewa was on the radio. And if you search my previous episodes, there's a nine eleven episode that I did, I think, in 2019 or 2020. And I play the clip of audio from Curtis Slewa And it's amazing because he's given the play-by-play as he was doing the morning show at the time on the radio. And it was just a surreal time in life. I didn't go to work. I thank God for whatever premonition and gut in the uh, gut feeling that I got in the pit of my stomach that said, don't go to work today. And I didn't go. And I'm glad I didn't go because I would probably gotten stuck in the city like my sister-in-law did for like a whole day or day and a half before she could come back to Jersey. It was a crazy time of life. And again, if you're from New York, you have your own stories. You, you know all about this. But if everybody's listening, you know, and to the audience that listens, I know we have audience in Australia, audience in Israel. Um, shout out to everybody out there, people in Finland. Thank you for listening. This is what it was like. And because I worked for Verizon at the time, I was able to uh, be part of that first response in a way, because in the days to follow... I had to deliver handheld phones to the um, customers and clients that we had in the financial district because there were no phone lines. Con Edison was down there restoring power lines. Bell Atlantic, which had just become Verizon, was fixing the land phone lines. And the only thing they had were these cows they called. Uh, It's an acronym for sell on wheels. And these cows were all over Lower Manhattan as they were going through the cleanup and the rescue mission to find the people that were stuck beneath the rubble. And, you know, you hear it on the news and you see it, and you feel the tension. And we felt the unity as they brought Americans closer together. And they had that huge interfaith ceremony at Yankee Stadium that President Bush and the Muslims and the Jews and everybody got together for this interfaith prayer meeting, if you will, at Yankee Stadium. But today, we're not in that type of position. Today, it's like, no, 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 if you're not this and you're not that. And I'm thinking, I want to go back to that time. Even though we were under attack, we were never more united. Because that's how America needs to be. And we always have to keep in mind, at least I implore you to keep in mind, The enemy wins when we're divided. The enemy wins when we have religious differences with someone and it drives a wedge between us. The enemy wins when we have political differences with the other side and it drives a wedge between us. But we all win when we stick together. And I think we can get there. We're just allowing ourselves to get too divisive, too divisive, however you like to say it. I prefer divisive. It just sounds better. But anyway, that's my September 11th story. Now, straight ahead, I want to bring in Mayor Rudy Giuliani so he can give you his September 11th story. And it's about 1130 in the morning, New York time on Saturday, September 11th, 2021. So he's wrapping up the ceremony where he was one of the guests along with joe biden who was saying some words and chuck schumer and aoc and the rest of these people that were there so we're going to get the play-by-play from mayor giuliani on exactly what happened at the 9-11 ceremony at the world trade center memorial right after this don't move a muscle i'm rich valdez this is america
0: this is america find your next truck at woodhouse buick gmc no matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling there's a premium and capable gmc truck that's perfect for you make a statement on the job site out in the town or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500 or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative Canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.
2: All right, America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S and as promised, I've got America's mayor as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of, and it's not a celebration. I mean, a celebration of America, but obviously a commemoration of people that we lost and an attack on our country. I thought, who better than America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, hey, Rick, how are you?
2: It's a great pleasure to be with you. I know I've heard you talk about getting stuck and running through buildings. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, the morning that it happened, I was having breakfast uptown and I found out about it. I was told that it was a twin engine plane that hit the North tower, and I rushed down there. And when I got down there, the second plane just had hit. so we realized that it was a we realized it was a terror a terror attack, and uh, we we had a an entire plan for how we would react to terror and it, basically we cut off the bridges and tunnels, we emptied large buildings, we sent police officers to priority targets um, we immediately arrange for 24-hour work at the at Ground Zero and deport our entire police department because we were very worried we would be hit elsewhere. And we were told by the White House that there were seven to 12 planes that were still unaccounted for, so we also could have been hit again from the air. So you had to divide your time and, and divide your attention and, and, and decision-making between the site itself, making sure you rescued as many people as possible, but at the same time, there was a very clear indication that there might be other attacks. He had to prepare for that as well. So I believe, of course we had trained so well for all this, we were able to handle that in a way that gave the people, you know, some degree of confidence that we were, that, that they were in good hands.
2: Now, Would you agree that more than training, because obviously this is something nobody expected, but more than training, it was heart and patriotism and a real commitment to saving your fellow man that, Actually, allowed us to get as many people out and and get through this as a whole.
1: Absolutely, when you consider the firefighters who ran into the burning building uh, after you know after it had become almost catastrophic, they knew they they knew there was a really good chance they were running to their death, and they continued anyway because it's their job to save people. That's extraordinary. That's extraordinary bravery. That's extraordinary love, and I think that uplifted. Everyone else who just acted better and more effectively. It also restored the spirit of America that we're a strong country. We're not a weak country. Mm-hmm. We don't bow to these people when they attack us. We, 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 we do the best we can to save as many people as possible, and then we get ready to hit them back so hard that they won't do it again. I mean, that's exactly what President Bush did, and it's exactly what President Clinton never did, which is why we had that thing in the first place. And it's exactly the model that Biden just used. Unfortunately, the Clinton model rather than the Bush model. Mm-hmm. I like think it was kind of odd that they were all there today and put up front, sort of like a political event this time. I've been there, you know, 19 years, and never has been politicized. But this time, everybody in, the, everybody in front actually wasn't there that day on September 11, tw- uh, on, on uh, 2001. I didn't see any of them there. But they were all Democrats. Republicans were put sort of in the bag, even though the effort was run by three Republicans, myself, Pataki, and President Bush. But they sort of wanted to remake history, I guess. Yeah, it's a damn shame. They, they, I, mean, I mean, basically, the feeling there was there's a bunch of phony politicians up front who had very little to do with this. And when, and when the president came in, First time ever, he, no, he didn't get any applause. Did he get booed? He didn't get booed, but he got no applause.
2: Well, they could have done a little... I guess and out of respect for those that have fallen, you know, well, you not want to make a I
1: was, I was actually afraid that they were going to act up even more because I've been getting calls for a week and a half. I can't even describe them to you.
2: I know. People just... Uh, when they get frustrated, they say crazy things and they want to do crazy mm-hmm. things because people don't like what the direction the country's headed in. And, you know, one time I was at a an event and commissioner, former commissioner Carrick was uh, describing what it was like when he rolled up on the scene and had to call you and you rolled up with your detail and asked him, you know, why is all this debris falling from the building? And he had to clarify, no, Mr. Mayor, that's not debris. Those are people.
1: Could you describe that? Yeah, it's quite us? amazing to see that. I'll tell you, you never forget it. First, first man was the most shocking. And then the others, just the sheer number of them. You feel, you feel the, 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 the terrible position that person must have been in, right? Do I burn to death or do I strike myself dead by falling? Mm.
2: He also mentioned about shortly after that, as everything started crumbling down and the dust, you know, it's an iconic scene that people who were alive saw on live TV until the TV's cut out. And those who, who weren't around have probably seen it on video. But the, the dust creates like a moment of darkness, and uh, he described you guys going into buildings. And um, just tell us a little bit about what that story was like, because kind of taking shots in the dark.
1: Well, we, we had to set up a new command post. We went into one building. It was all glass, and we walked right out. We considered the first precinct. We got to the firehouse in the village, and we decided that would be a good, a good midpoint. So we broke it open. I called the governor. The governor thought we were dead. We were missing. Uh, he was relieved that we were alive, and we agreed that we'd set up our command post at the police academy so that's where our command post was for the first five or six days, maybe seven. It turned out to be too small, and then we moved over to the piers on the west side, where we had an endless amount of space and a big conference room and it was a little bit out of the you know the busy area of the city, so we could be left alone a bit.
2: years ago, I met Will Jimeno who told us about, you know, being trapped under those steel beams and finally getting rescued and what it was like to, to lose, you know, some of the guys in his squad. And, and it's, it's a moving story. And, and you being, you know, I think at the, uh, the top of this, you know, the hierarchical top of this because you, you were mayor, what, what was going through your mind? Obviously, I think anybody who grew up in Brooklyn, I'm a kid from Brooklyn, and I, I, I remember Rudy Giuliani, who's the guy who took on Gotti, took on the, uh, the mob. And ran against Dinkins, lost, came back with a vengeance, won, cleaned up the city, brought Disney in. So I, there was this persona of Rudy Giuliani, and there still is, you know, stuck up for Trump, got in the face of the deep state, super. But what was going through your head? What were your moments of vulnerability and weakness like when, you know, you're, you're facing all of this craziness? Tell us about it.
1: The real vulnerability is you're going to give into your emotions. Yeah. Because they're very, very strong at the time. You're going to give into your emotions of sadness or anger or, and you can't make really kind of decisions that have to be made in a once in a lifetime emergency. If you're too overwrought, you're too emotional, you have to remain calm so you can see all options. So you have to keep yourself that way, no matter how bad the injury is to a colleague or to yourself.
2: In a time like now, I think so many people feel similar, similar emotions because of the political climate in the country. (sighs) Well, what's your advice to all the patriots that are out there, the guys calling you for the last week and a half and that call me all year round, You're <laughs> telling me, I want to do this, we should do this, it's coming. It's, and everybody's so excited because their
1: emotions are so raw. What's your advice? My advice to them is the only thing we can really do is political. And if you're unhappy with the way in which there was a response by the Biden administration, go out there and start working against them, not too early. We don't want to take any chances with this next election. I think it'll determine the future of this country for a long, long time. We're either going to be in the hands of socialist appeasers, and terrorism is going to run all over us. We'll be in the hands of a government in the tradition of America that protects us, protects us by hitting back so hard they never think of doing it again, at least for ten years, and uh, and being able and being able to uh, run our domestic affairs. So, we don't become an overspending socialist government where the few people working are supporting the many people who aren't.
2: And, you know, I look at situations like that and I think the only way, and this is, again, my, my opinion, and, and, you know, I look to you for your, your wisdom and, and uh, your years of experience in this, but I look at that and I think the problem is we did well when we had Rudy Giuliani in office. We did well when we've had people that, that stuck to their guns and did the right thing. And it seems like those guys are few and far between today. So if somebody would ask me, how do we fix this, Rich? I say to them, we have to replace the bad guys with good guys. And and I, I think that's the only way to do it, right? By winning elections, by getting people to become you know, more that's active. That's the only way to do it. Involved. And
1: you've got to be really careful and you can't get cons. The Democratic Party is fabulous at conning it. Look what they've done in, in Chicago. They've had 50 years of Democrat mayors. And every week, every weekend it's the question, are they going to have 60 shootings, 70, 80, 90, 100? Mm-hmm. I mean, the people of Chicago virtually getting slaughtered. The political party's been in power for 50 years, and they still vote for the same political party. That has to only happen if you're brainwashed.
2: Right, 100%. Now, moving forward to like current domestic stuff, three nights ago, uh, President Trump joined uh, the great one Mark Levin on the radio, and I answered the phone and spoke with him a couple of minutes before the interview, and I asked him, I said, hey, Mr. President, are you thinking of, uh, you know, are you going to do it or not, 2024? And he said rich i think you're gonna be very happy <laughs> and that was all he said
1: <laughs> but uh you know i think he hasn't made a decision yet he shouldn't <clears throat> there's quite some time to make that decision i think his inclination now would be to do it right uh, but, but we have to see what it's like a, a basically a year and a half from now.
2: yeah and we got to get through the midterms because i think the midterms will really decide uh and i guess maybe you know not that you have a crystal ball but if we look at the midterms and we think if Republicans get a majority, do you believe that the Republicans will use their authority and, and, and that majority to impeach Biden?
1: I don't know if they'll impeach him. Republicans are so afraid of their own shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they'll, they'll, they'll stop his agenda. Right. He may get himself forced to be impeached. I mean, he's a reckless guy. I there's an article today in the paper that he seems to lie every day. Yet they don't. He goes through his his time in office. He may have lied every day since he's president. And then he forgets about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's the benefit of it. You can, uh, you can give over four or five billion dollars in arms to terrorists and forget about it. You can get thirteen people killed, brave young soldiers and sailors killed in in Afghanistan and forget about it. I mean, you can bomb. You can you can bomb uh, in retaliation. Think you have. think you hit a terrorist, put up a big bull story about how you stopped the guy from bombing the airport. turns out the guy you hit was a father with children, pro-American, works for America. He's bringing food home to his family. Right. I mean, they're pathetic. This is what happens when you elect a fraud. Joe Biden is a fraud. He's been a fraud all his life, particularly was proven to be a fraud by the material, material I uncovered over the last two to three years. But the mainstream press won't tell it to you because they're trying to protect him. And look, they can't do the job for him. They can't protect him any longer. I mean, he's got to decide. And he decides weird, strange, silly things.
2: Now, do you think he's making these weird decisions because he's evil and nefarious and trying to do bad things that he knows are horrible or because he's stupid or because of both?
1: Both. And plus he's, uh, uh, he's ill. And he's the president of the United States. He's got to make decisions about war and peace.
2: Right. And he's, he's gotta,
1: having trouble. He can't even make his own decisions about what, what reporters he calls them. He's got to have somebody instruct him. And then, and then he's so messed up, he actually tells people that. He has no social control, no, no control over what he's going to say. I've been instructed, been instructed to pick on O'Donnell. Or I've been told. Like, and the reporters are such pansies and sycophants. They don't ask the question like, well, who, who instructed you? That would be the first question I ask. If I saw a president tell me he's getting instructed by somebody, I don't want to know who that was because that guy just became the president.
2: Right. And he makes these references all the time saying, oh, they told me I have to stop here. Oh, they told me I have to call on you. Oh, they told me uh, I can't take questions today. It's bizarre. Well,
1: that's, that's, that's the president that makes the bizarre decisions that he made over the last four or five weeks that have cost the lives of some very brave Americans and have cost a lot more lives until we get him out of there. Please. Not the end of it. I mean, he's not getting any better. <laughs> yeah, it's only going to get worse.
2: Now, I had a question I wanted to squeeze in, a final thought, on uh, the vaccines and this mandate that just rolled out, and everybody's up in arms, and you've got some people saying, look, you can't force people, and I think conventional wisdom tells you you can't force people, but then you have these Supreme Court cases, and again, you were Associate Attorney General of the United States, and a United States attorney, so uh, I turn to you to ask, you know, these Supreme Court cases, the one with the the pastor from 1904, the one with the uh, forced sterilization... um, these are precedents that have been set is it is it bizarre crazy or wrong to think if that happened then a shot in the arm is is got to be something they're going to definitely force upon us or is there hope on the legal horizon
1: it's hard to assess that you know because we're we're better prepared than we were before at the same time we've got a lot more terrorist activity than we had before and now we have them coming out of the woodwork, or i really should say the caves hmm. uh Biden has kind of encouraged them. I think al-Qaeda has doubled its membership in the last 2 weeks. Wow. So he's given them the morale they've been lacking for quite some time. I mean, he really is quite an awful president.
2: Yeah, no question about that. I mean, we're on the 20th anniversary of 9/11. Looking back, al-Qaeda was a fledgling group that took a took a big shot and and went for the gold, went for the gusto with their airplane attack and pulled it off. And we crushed them for two decades and the minute that, you know, we take the foot off the gas, they're back, and he's the one taking his foot off the gas.
1: Yeah, three Democrat presidents standing up front. I don't know, and people who are tempted to give their lives to help people behind them. No interaction with any of those people. It's as if they were non-existent. No interaction with the families. They come in, they stand there like potentates, like a whole Democrat column right up front. Nancy Pelosi, AOC. You know, you know, you remember when the. Um, Soviets used to line up the Politburo. Oh boy. On a they they put them like on a balcony, and where you stood was was how important you were. That's what it looked like. Yeah, the, it looked like, like the, the Politburo was, was up there. Not for the fall. Mer, Merlin Garland was in the front. I don't remember him taking anybody out of the towers. Right. Meanwhile, the guys behind him who almost died that day, like Chief Esposito, right, like uh, Bernie Kerik. Like Tommy von Esten. I mean, They're actually, oh George Pataki. They're actually the people who were there. They were there. They know the families. They've been taking care of them for 20 years. So these guys come in, they, they all get up front, one big Democratic row up front. And they, they desecrated this into a political event. But that's Biden. Everything becomes political, yeah, even saving lives is political. And if it's not convenient, he doesn't save him, he lets him die. Fortunately, there's three and a half years to go. I don't know if he'll yes, last.
2: I don't either. And honestly, that's just something that, you know, uh, before we wrap, I think it's uh, my, my belief is that I, I do think that McCarthy is going to take a bolder approach and go for impeachment because I think if you've got the power to impeach and you don't do it, um, you shouldn't have the power.
1: So I, I do believe they're going to go for it. If there were a Republican Congress now and they didn't vote to impeach, we should vote them out of office.
2: Yeah. I agree 100%. I mean,
1: there, there is no question that a man, at least there should be an investigation. There's no question he's displaying symptoms, suggest he's unfit for office. Now, we may be wrong. They may be, but they have to be tested honestly, professionally, objectively. I, because I think if you put out a report saying he was fine, it'd be hard for the American people to believe it. Yeah, and final thought. I mean, they can see it. This is something you can see with your own eyes.
2: And in response to that, a lot of people always ask me, and I'm sure they ask you too. Uh, they're always saying, "But what can we do? I'm just a regular person. What can I do to stop this? What's your advice to that person?"
1: You gotta join. Uh, you gotta join the party. you, you, ha- you have to join the party to take them out. And you gotta help them. You gotta help at the grassroots, because I think we can. I think we've been helped now, even though we don't have uh, uh, the House or the Senate. We have the government. And they're giving him a real run for his money. He's getting very angry at them now. Oh yeah. And he was he was uh, he was complaining about DeSantis about COVID, kind of ridiculous because he's got his governor's has killed about twice as many people as the Republican governors.
2: Yeah, but no, nobody cares. DeSantis that kind of did it,
1: and DeSantis has half half the death rate of New York. He's got a much better economy than New York. And he didn't he didn't kill all the old people. Cuomo did. The governors who screwed up the pandemic are all in this party. So that's the call. Get active. Get yeah. involved.
2: Excellent. Well, Mayor Giuliani, I oh. want to thank you so much for joining us on this 9-11. Okay. have been all over the place doing lots of things. Uh, you're a hero. You're a patriot. Oh,
1: we are. We're busy. We're, keep, we're keeping busy. We're keeping busy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's never a dull moment for you. My best.
1: Uh, all right. Dr. Ryan and
2: To Andrew. Thank you for joining us. Go
1: ahead. God bless. Thank you. All
2: right. There you have it. Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And uh, we're going to hit a break real quick right here. Come back. Wrap it up. Don't
0: move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America.
1: This is America.
0: Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade.
1: This is America. All
2: right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S, and we are obviously on all the social media at rich Valdez with an s at rich Valdez thank you for following I've been seeing lots of followers popping in lately thank you because that's the only way we get this message across they will totally and utterly and completely drop me from wherever they want to drop me because they don't like what I'm saying and in particular I think it's because of who I am because they want to put me in a box and say because he's brown he's a Latino we don't want him saying that type of thing because other brown Latinos might believe what he's saying and agree with him and now they're gonna be white supremacists and you know as well as I know that that's Yes, but that's how it works. People think that you know everything is about ethnic cleansing, racial cleansing, racial divisiveness. People forget about merit and meritocracy and how if you get the job done, you can get that bag, you can make that money. But people want to forget about that. But I just want to recap what Mayor Giuliani said because I think he said a lot, and I appreciate him taking the time, including on a day like today, a solemn occasion like September 11th, to spend a generous amount of time with us to tell us about what happened. His view on the news, as well as his story and his moments of vulnerability during the 9 11 attack back in 2020, years ago today. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for you, each and every one of you that's listening to this, that's going to take this and share it with somebody who may not know the history of 9 11 or who may be interested in hearing what Mayor Giuliani had to say. And you know, you know well, if you listen to this program. I don't like to do guests too often because it takes away from me hearing the sound of my voice. <laughs> and uh, I really enjoy having the opportunity to speak with you guys. But Thank you. I want to thank you. I thank you for the five star reviews that you're leaving on the podcast apps. I thank you for following and subscribing on the podcast app and for sharing it, whether you're sharing it through text messages, sharing it through email, sending people the link, whatever it is, it's working. We're seeing some growth, but we need to continue to do that because this game is all about growth. And it, it, it's the only way. It's the only way that we can reach more people. And um, hopefully, we can bring this message to more people with your help. I just want to implore you guys again you heard Giuliani say it. You've heard me say it. I think you've heard a lot of people say it. We have to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. To me, that means we have to act politically. A lot of people are very trigger-finger, happy, ready for civil war. If they come to my house, nobody's coming to their house. Trust me, I don't think that's the case. At least anytime soon. We have to fight this fight where it's happening. We have to fight this fight ideologically. They're not shooting bullets at us. They're shooting bad ideas. We have to shoot at them with good ideas. That's the only way it's going to happen because the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So it's time to get up out of your comfort zone, to stop sitting in the pews and listening to the preacher, but become the minister yourself to get out there and say, hey, you know what? It's time that I take a more active approach in this thing called citizenship in America. And that's you and me both. There's I've got to do more. We've all got to do more because we need to reach more people, teach more people so that they can understand the totality of what's going on. People are facing losing their jobs because of vaccine mandates. The government is out of control and looking for more and more power and won't stop until they get their will and they bend your will. This has to stop. And they're not using violence. They're using policy. So we have to come at them. Policy we have to replace the people that are in positions of power with people that have scruples with people that have morals with people that Understand that a smaller more limited government is one that empowers the people or at least allows the people to have the power Right, because the government should never really allow us to do anything or empower us It's us the people that empower the government. We give them the power not vice versa And that seems to have been forgotten and listen, I get it. I made this analogy a couple of weeks ago you're walking down the street, the law says, what's right and wrong says, you should be able to walk unmolested. But the guy with a bat that comes up to you and starts swinging at you, maybe hits you and robs you for your watch. Guess what? That guy has power and he's wrong. So yes, bad people that are wrong can have the power. And in a situation like that, you fight back and you fight back like a But the way we get there is through bad policy, by defunding the police, by listening to the Democrats, by allowing Democrats or even Republicans that may agree with defunding the police. We've got to stop them in their tracks. And the only way we do that is by being active, running for office, supporting the people running for office, donating to the people running for office, thinking, using our skills and time and talent and creativity to go out there and get things done. So, hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America.
1: College can be expensive, but saving
0: now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits
1: for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org.